Hello, it's Q again. Uh, I was uh, playing watch in the Watchdogs world again, and they have something called digital. What's it? What's the name of it? Hold on, I'll tell you. A digital trip, and apparently there's a a drug that you take in this alternate reality and in that alternate reality it actually gives you a a digital high so you'll be able to do things um, in, in a digital world that you wouldn't be able to do in, in the analog world and uh, the funny thing about it is you wake up in a completely different place and than when you started it so it, it literally knocks you unconscious <gasps> Well, it takes away your consciousness and everything, and you, meanwhile, wake up wherever. And the digital chips are kind of interesting. One of them was um, psychedelic, so where more or less you're flying through the air. You start off flying through the air, and all of a sudden a big... I mean, you're in the nor the same city that you're normally in... <laughs> And all of a sudden, right as you're about to hit the ground, boom, a big huge uh, mushroom or flower opens up, sprouts, and you bounce off that flower, and the whole time you're laughing, the avatar's laughing, and all of a sudden he's flying through the air again, bounces, and uh, it scores you based on the number of, uh, the how far in the center you are in the mushroom or flower that you hit. Usually they're flowers and everything. So you're just more or less bouncing through the city and it's called psychedelic. Now there's another one called Alone. And Alone's kind of trippy. It's uh, basically you're in the same city. It's all based, all of this is based in Chicago. And uh, Years, there's these robot things, and I think I, I talked about this uh, the last time too. And the robot things are more or less they they're going around, and there's darkness in each of the areas. So there's like 15 zones in total. So Chicago's been segmented into 15 separate zones by these robot things. And when you get into a zone, it turns from light to dark, and they are actually going through uh, and more or less monitoring the area. And they all go around with white lights, but the moment they see you, the light turns red and it starts disintegrating you. And uh, all of a sudden, once the uh, disintegration happens, boom, you die. And at that point, you have to start the whole zone over. So it's really kind of interesting. You don't die instantly. It's like a deterioration. You can take one of them out, you know, but uh, typically there's so many of them, they'll come and one of them will, they're, they're communicating um, in a collective consciousness and, or a collective AI or whatever. And boom, they, they converge on one single point. So uh, as it goes up in the levels, 13 and 14 and 15 were kind of a bitch where I'm more or less, you know, I'm surrounded by eight of them. So you have to be really tactical. Another one called Spider Tank, and you're basically in in Chicago again. And uh, this is a digital trip. And you're commanding a big, huge spider tank to more or less go through and wreak havoc on, on, uh, on Chicago altogether. Now the last one, Madness, um, I'm going to try that one right now. And I'll tell you what it's about. Play.
so I can hide in the car, and all of a sudden, boom. So Madness has a red car. Focus on groups rather than individual demons. Don't waste time chasing down the same target. So I'm entering this digital trip, and it looks... The sky looks like a hellish red. And oh, I'm in this Mad Max kind of car. Unleash your inner fury. I don't know what it's doing. So harvest. Apparently I've got a minute and 24 to harvest something. And I just... Oh, okay, so I've got soul power. I've got to actually kill these demons. I'm in hell, and I'm killing demons. Or these guys that, with the fire. They have fire on their heads. So I've got to harvest ten. I don't know what, to, what the ten stands for. But there's these guys with... I'm in a car and there's these things with fire for heads. They're humanoids. Each one has... Every time I hit one, apparently it has a soul that comes in, comes inside of me and everything. So I'm some kind of like Hell Rider or something like that. So I've got five more to harvest, and I'm not doing so good. Four. Okay, so that's the count. It's counting down. So, I've got one more to go, and I didn't do it. Not in souls. Focus on groups. So, apparently, I've got to harvest souls, and I've got to more or less run them down, is what it looks like. So, there's four different... And this is all in the city of uh, Chicago, so it's like a hellish city and everything. So, for me, um, one of the things I've, I've enjoyed in in the video games, and also to some degree real life, um, probably more, more real life than anything, is the mysteries. You know, the, the little, the little things, you know, that, uh, about life in general. You know, so, in, in life, there's, most things have a, a tendency to be an all-too-well-known commodity. You know, you know what you're getting. You know, I mean, other than dating, you know, and that's... I've been married three times, so when it comes down to dating, I'm not, like, the world's best person when it comes down to that kind of stuff. So I've got to harvest 12 now, and I've got 55 seconds to do it, and I'm not doing so hot. These guys are, like, running all kinds of different directions. So... But um, one of the things I love about these games is their the mysteries that they have within them. So you know whether or not it's you know finding out finding this thing called digital trips and actually just going and and seeing these new worlds. You know that uh, I mean you would never. If you had, if if all you did was followed this the the primary mission through, you would never see, flat out never see, you know. So that's the whole thing. It's just like you know finding these little these little mysteries by doing some of the side missions and everything, you know, is part of the fun for me, you know. So I mean, it's just it's I don't know, you know, in life in itself, you know it. It's 
it's had its fair share of mysteries and everything, but not like, not like this. You know, the thing about life is it, it, it can be so terribly predictable, you know, almost to the point that, you know, even if you're seeking new experiences and everything, there's no real, you know, enchantment. Most of the time you're, you know, I would be trying to actually just keep myself safe more than I am, you know, actually finding new experiences and everything, and I don't know, you know, it's like when I ended up uh, going to do drugs and everything like I did, and ended up going through all the shit that I did, I found some really cool new experiences, but it landed me in a, a big, huge problem. Now I don't have an income, you know, now I'm living at my parents, and, and to be honest, while this isn't the worst of situations, I mean, there's something to be said about the freedom of actually having my own place and everything. So anyways, what does this have to do with the price of tea in China? Well, um... It's it just comes down to the mysteries. You know, I'll play Assassin's Creed for instance. Did not drive the required distance. Chain kill increases your combos. So madness. Madness is kinda weak. It's kinda boring. So wake up. Yes, I'm sure I wanna wake up. So that's how you get out of the digital trip. But um so uh, going back to Assassin's Creed two and Assassin's Creed three um, when I played those games, they were just fucking awesome. You know, they they were to the point that uh, there's little hidden areas within the game that uh, if you end up, you know, diving down into it, you find out that there's courses made especially for, you know, for the assassin and everything. You know, that only the assassin, the skilled assassin with al almost all the capabilities has the capability to be able to discover. You know, so that's the whole thing is, if if you don't um, play through, like, Assassin's Creed 2 and Assassin's Creed 3, and uh, and go through some of the secret missions and actually look for them, you'll never see some of these really, 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 what I consider some of the best parts of the game. You know, it's just the whole, you know, just ideas and the concepts and all the shit that goes on, you know, for these closed areas and everything. It's just like, wow, you know, the, the developers have done such an attention to detail for these areas that it's just like, this is just so fucking cool. You know, and the same thing happened for me for, you know, for Grand Theft Auto. I mean, Grand Theft Auto 5, you know, part of the fun of Grand Theft Auto 5 isn't just playing the mission straight through, but it's admiring, I mean, this is actually true for a lot of games for me, admiring the lore. You know, when you get into a game like Grand Theft Auto or, you know, e even more so Fallout, Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 has some of the most terrific lore of what I've ever seen in a game. Now, most people don't talk about the lore. You know, I mean, you look up online about some of the stuff, you know, particularly for Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, and uh, when I'm talking about the lore, I'm talking about the packets and the books and, and you know, the dialogue and the discussions with the NPCs, you know, the particular ones that are not, you know, quest-based and everything. You know, you get into and you start realizing, it's just like, holy shit. You know, Fallout 4, for instance, it takes place in Boston. And one of the coolest things that I ended up discovering was it's 
it's one of those things where they ended up isolating Boston and um, corporations and the government alike ended up isolating Boston and used Boston as a test ground for nuclear fallout and nuclear radiation. What, what effects did it have on the public citizens and everything? It was a cruel experiment you know, on living beings and everything. And uh, what they ended up doing was, to the local population, they ended up faking it. You know, they ended up basically making it appear, you know, like the world was descending into chaos and everything, and everything for their media was supporting it, but they were actually cut off from the outside world. They were literally isolated, so much so, you know, that just basically made it impossible for local residents, you know, to discover this truth and everything, and they were all being offered this whole vault concept, you know, the idea of being able to get yourself into a nuclear vault, and at that point, that's how you can actually avoid this, and you'd wake up, you know, years after, and at this point, you know, this you'd uh, at that awaken and what they would do what they had planned was they had planned a staggered entrance and just basically letting certain people through you know to to arise in Boston after it's been decimated by nuclear uh, nuclear wayside and everything you know and there's chemical biological nuclear testing on the local population and everything by by companies and the government you know and arms testing as well by the local government and everything in order to basically you know for any number of different reasons whether or not to test out the the abilities you know or the uh, the whole I mean, everything from what it, what it comes down to effectiveness for weapons all the way to, you know, the effect the effectiveness of biological and chemi chemical weapons and that kind of stuff. And it's really kind of hein a heinous, um, heinous testing and everything that ended up occurring that created this lore for the Fallout world. Well, GTA, um, it's not that much different in a very different way. And this is the interesting thing about some of these places, too. GTA, the lore, is basically there's a... Uh, um, They've been programmed through media, and if you pay attention to all the media, you might think, you know, that programmers were crafty, and, you know, the artists and all this kind of stuff was crafty. Well, you know, I mean, sure, they, you know, what com comes first, you know, the, the ingenuity and creativity of the artist? you know, or the actual concepts that actually created this world to begin with. And in this world in particular, it's just, basically, it's violent. You know, it's, um, there's literally, there's no boundaries, no, no real limitations, you know, to, to violence. And there's a very, very big overlooking by the police force and everything, you know, for anything when it comes down to violence. You know, it's just like out of sight, out of mind. You know, that's more or less how they dealt with things and everything. And I just find that really, really interesting. You know, so the media portrays all this and everything. And, you know, it's just like one of those things that's just like, wow. You know, I mean, can the same thing happen in our own population? Well, clearly it could. You know, so... That, that, for me, is like one of the most interesting things. And Watch Dogs, while it's not as powerful with the media um, presence, what it does do 
is tell a terrific story from a hacker's perspective in this operating system called CTOS, which is ubiquitous. It basically commands, it's the command and control and nerve center, if you will, for, um, in this game, Chicago, and uh, yeah, in Watch Dogs 2, it's, um, it's based over in uh, San Francisco. And the whole concept is there's a whole set of grids that are wired up together. There's primary operating systems, um, that are, um, again, it's a zoned type thing. So where there's seven or eight different central zones that are managed by CTOS, and uh, there's one overarching um, presence of CTOS that's actually managing the whole city. And uh, watchdogs, you're basically hacking into it, tapping into it, and leveraging this network to basically uh, to watch the entire city. You know, to be able to blow up steam pipes off the ground, or to be able to raise drawbridges, or to be able to, um, oh, any number of different things, change the street lights, or hack people's cell phones, or put up the blockers that actually block intersections and block buildings, the ones that I'm sure you've seen in, like, Washington, D.C., the things that come out and protrude out of the ground and everything, or to black out an entire section or to throw up road spikes at, uh, you know, for motels and that kind of stuff. I mean, there's any number of different things that you can actually do with it and everything. Well, personally, I liked the lore. Um, no, well, this does have a lot of lore, and Chicago surprisingly has a really, really interesting um, lore and background to it. I didn't realize, um, getting into Chicago, that there's so, so, so many mass murders and so many um, well-known mafia crime boss type things and everything here, you know, all the way from Al Capone to Bugsy Malone or whatever he is, and, you know, there's so many things that have happened in Chicago, you know, when it comes down to to killing and that kind of stuff and gang violence, um, it, it hands down, it, it's blown me away about everything that's gone on there. Now, I thought a lot of that was isolated to New York, and, you know, I was, I've been corrected, you know, at least in this game, and I'm accepting the lore as it is. I don't feel like doing the research and everything, and I kind of like it all being isolated to the city and everything, so I don't care if it's accurate, I'm accepting it as being accurate, so... In any case, it, uh, it's really made made it interesting from a lore perspective, uh, just researching and checking out. They've got different locations that you check into, and uh, it tells a story about what, what caused and what created Chicago, um, what made it the city that it's made, you know, um, what what's caused the the growth and the towers and all this other stuff and you know the owner and operators of all these things and you know the crime that's occurred and the mass violence and the valentine's day massacre and all this other stuff you know the, the lore actually gets into that well and it, watch dogs 2 does something similar with lore where it gets more into the lore for the fictional world um, that's depicted in Watch Dogs 2 rather than the, the more factual world that's depicted in Watch Dogs 1. So, with that, it gets into Silicon Valley and, and a lot of the um, 
camaraderie and rivalry between corporations there and everything. And it does get into one of the things I do like about the San Francisco based uh, Watchdogs too is how it gets into the scenery. Now, Chicago, yeah, sure, it has some tall buildings and, you know, it has some interesting architecture and everything, you know, but it doesn't have quite the vibrancy of San Francisco. You know, San Francisco with Lombard Street and, you know, the whole gay or the uh, LGBT is what they're calling it now, rights and everything. Um, that whole movement has really made for a funky vibe and everything that's that's become, you know, very, very prevalent throughout the world. And I've, I've heard about uh, many things in my travels and everything, you know, and uh, I've been to San Francisco myself quite a few times and everything, too. And I can say that, you know, with the exception of Los Angeles, one of the biggest uh, and, and strongest cultures, you know, for a city is definitely... Um, on the on the west coast is definitely in contrast to Los Angeles is definitely San Francisco huge huge culture you know and huge you know interesting things that uh, you know <laughs> and, and funky things that people have done everything from the Golden Gate Bridge and you know to I'm just I've got this picture of the of these legs, the fishnet legs over in uh, this one street that's not far from the Rainbow Intersection and everything. And they've also got like a nudist colony and everything that's right in the middle of the downtown area that, yep, in the game people are walking around stark-ass naked and one of the things that's funny to do is uh, is getting them to, uh, using the RC control car and getting them to walk outside of the community and everything. It's kind of funny because they all get to... Uh, they all get pictures taken of them and everything as they're walking around. They don't seem to give a shit, so it's really kind of interesting. But in any case, um, I'm I'm actually the more I'm into this, uh, I ended up because of having to reinstall Windows. I ended up going a little bit slower. Am I recording? Yeah, I was gonna say I'd be really not happy if I wasn't <gasps> wasn't recording. So I've been going a little bit slower with Watchdog. So. To some degree, I'm not really too unhappy anymore that I had to start the game over because I've been paying more attention to the lore and I started doing all the contracts. They have like a whole whole slew of different contracts that you can take. Fixer contracts, they call them, where you're basically fixing problems and a lot of it re requires assassinations and that kind of stuff. All the way to convoy uh, contracts where you basically gotta, um, re you gotta stop a convoy from happening of you know, usually there's a important mob boss or something like that that you literally, uh, it's my responsibility to take out and everything. So, and again, I do regard these games as being real. Um, I'm actually playing and interacting in a real world. Um, no different than the world that, or, I mean, you know, it's definitely a lower resolution than the, than the world that I'm in. And, uh, you know, the characters aren't necessarily as smart, you know, and it's kind of funny, you know, how um, not so smart that they are and everything at times. It's uh, kind of predictably. I'd like to actually see that increase over time. See the characters get a little bit more intelligent and also see the hacking tools get more uh, diverse and everything so I can actually play with people rather than just basically fuck with them hard and cause them pain and problems and that kind of shit. Being a practical joker would be more fun, you know, and having having a whole arsenal of possible tools to be able to use, you know, to uh, to exact my practical jokes and everything. That and also seeing people I knew. But, uh, 
maybe I have to create a uh, version of this that's actually focused on Phoenix or something like that in order to do that. But in any case, um, altogether, it's just uh, I'm still, you know, playing Watch Dogs and just um, more or less uh, just going doing what I'm doing and everything. Nothing much has changed here and everything, so. But, uh, going to the lore, though, I, um, one of the first games that I ended up really getting into, um, uh, well, Pull of Radiance way back in 1988 was one of the first ones that I got into from a lore perspective, and they actually had a book that's called The Adventures Manual or something like that that actually came out with the game, and I remember pouring through that thing, you know, just like I did the manual of Leisure Suit Lair and everything, just going through it, just cover to cover, basically, and, uh, you know, more or less making, you know, just reading it and rereading it and rereading it. I was so fascinated by the fictional worlds that, uh, that these people had come up with. And I call them fictional because it's just, um, in my world, these, these aren't necessarily real, they are alternate realities, you know, so they're an alternate way of perceiving my reality. And, uh, Fictional is the, the word, that, the term that's used. Um, I'll, I'll refer to it as an alternate reality interchangeably and everything, you know, just because they are, you know, I have no evidence and proof whatsoever that Chicago's anything other than what I'm looking at on the screen right now while I'm not there, you know, and uh, when I'm there, maybe it transforms itself into something that's a little bit more robust based on my influences and everything. I don't know. I really don't know. So, in any case, um, but going back to the lore, another game that had awesome lore was Elder Scrolls, and, um, that whole series, Elder Scrolls, Oblivion, and all that kind of stuff, had some of the most amazing lore, and the interesting thing for me was that it's one of the first ones that really tried hard to teach the reader magic. So it gets into runes, and there's several different languages within Elder Scrolls, and, uh, you know, there's Dweamer, there's, I mean, literally, there's, you know, a person could actually be a digital archaeologist and understand that there's so many different variations and different possibilities within these worlds. And for me to, you know, to basically limit, you know, what's, what's possible and what's out there based on, I don't know, the, what's physically available, you know, rather than just what's on, you know, t uh, TV screen or computer screen and everything. I don't know. But uh, Elder Scrolls had fantastic lore as well. You know, so for me, I guess that's actually one of the most important things for games. Isn't isn't just, you know, the action, but it's, it's also the world and the story that it tells. You know, so Watch Dogs, it, it feels like... A, a rich world, and it gives me some new tools in my arsenal. You know, it's like Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed, I'm the assassin. You know, I'm literally climbing on the side of a building up to, you know, the top of uh, a 200-foot-tall building in London or Rome, you know, ancient Rome or something like that, and you know, or pre-colonial uh, America, 1770s and that kind of stuff, or 1500s Nassau, Bahamas. Bahamas and checking out some of the stuff that that happened back then or you know more recently I haven't played Origins or uh, I can't remember the other one and everything but um, you know each one of these has different you know different sets of different worlds and everything and I think that they've they've tried almost too hard to be based on reality um, 
and they have not tried hard enough to add in a little creative freedom when they're telling these stories. You know, so Assassin's Creed 2 especially um, took off on a direction of started telling its own story and really getting kind of crafty and amazing and beautiful and creative with that story and everything. And then, you know, it started getting towards the colonial America and that kind of stuff, and the story just got too serious again. You know, it got to the point where it's just like, okay, you know, it's interesting, but it's not like gripping, you know, it's more, you know, just, I'm, I'm kind of like not really into the characters that I'm actually walking in their shoes. You know, I just don't empathize with these characters. They're not, they're not who I really would choose to be, you know, so it, it's just, it's really... You know, I mean, that's why Assassin's Creed 2 did get me. These were characters that I can actually just like, wow, you know, I mean, the bourgeois and, you know, the corrupt politicians and, you know, the whole nasty shit that was going on between the church and the state and, you know, basically killing for killing. And it's just like, okay, you know, I don't mind being one man actually taking out these these people and everything that are vicious to the rest of the population and everything. I feel justified for that. You know, but uh in you know, and uh but in some of the later installments and everything, it's just like I mean, I'm killing people because they're protecting their territory. You know, because they're guarding their guns and ammunition and or they're guarding their um their working facilities or something like that. That something happened, you know? That's the whole thing with Assassin's Creed, where they stopped telling as good of a story, and not only that, but they went to this weird side to where they ended up switching from, hey, we're going to tell a story about, you know, about somebody that's trying to make the world a better place and everything, to somebody that's really kind of just an assassin for hire. Eh, I don't like that idea. I don't like that concept. You know, I like the idea of uh, an assassin. You know, the whole point of an assassin, to me, is somebody that has a moral code. Their own, their, it may be their own moral code, but the fact is, it's a moral code. It's the difference between a mercenary, you know, versus an assassin. That's, that, for me, is what it is. You know, and, and here's the thing. With Watch Dogs, he's got his own moral code. Well, I mean, I, I sympathize with the character. In the first one, he just wants to make a name for himself, and that, that I completely understand. Or the second one, Watch Dogs 2, he just wants to ma make a name for himself. He's kind of a smartass, you know, but uh, he's got his own belief systems and everything, that Bloom and all this other stuff is, you know, the evil guy, and he wants to overthrow him. And you know what? While I don't agree with it, I can still align with it. I can still, I can still put myself on board with it. You know, where Watch Dogs 1, I couldn't, I'm, I haven't been able to get into it as much, you know, because the guy's kind of doing it to himself. You know, I'm sure he's definitely got great reasons, you know, his, his, uh, in the second act of the, uh, of the game, his uh, niece uh, or his nephew gets uh, um, threatened and kidnapped as uh, his um, uh, cousin or his, uh, his, his sister ends up getting kidnapped. You know, so he's got all these motivations. 
all these motivations, and that's why I'm actually playing the game, because there's a good story, a solid story behind it. You know, but something like um, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, where I've picked that game up probably three or four times now, and I uh, just got the last save blown away, and um, I'm just like sitting there going, man, you know, do I really want to get back into it? I mean, the graphics are beautiful, you know, but I can't get into the game that much. I haven't been able to from the start. You know, and sure, I get to meet some really cool people, Alexander Graham Bell and all these other characters and everything, but in a general sense, it's just like the these twins, they don't have... There's nothing, absolutely nothing, that that that's really motivating them. You know, there's no... Um, other than simple wealth acquisition and everything, there's nothing... You know, nothing that there's really... It's just like they're not trying to fight bad guys. They're, um, you know, their idea of right and wrong, it doesn't seem like they really have a moral compass, you know, other than fending for themselves. Um, they're nothing more than mercenaries, you know, and uh, in a general sense, it's just like, you know, sure, I don't mind the occasional mercenary-type contracts and everything like that, you know, but, uh, to, but to have that be the entire game... And, um, you know, basically the whole goal is to, you know, I mean, one of the things that I, I really look at with Assassin's Creed Syndicate is, you know, you get in there and you basically eliminate the gangs that have staked the claim in a, in a certain territory and everything in London. Well, and what happens at the end of that? Well, your gang takes over. Oh, okay. Well, that's brilliant, right? You know, so my gang takes over until some other gang takes over. And it's just like, this doesn't make any sense. To what end? You know, it just, none of it, none of it is making any sense. Where Assassin's Creed 2 and Assassin's Creed, and, and here's the thing, don't get me wrong. The gameplay mechanics, they've done a great job from a mechanics perspective. But it's the overarching story that just sucks balls. It really does. You know, the why, why, what's the whole purpose in you going and staking claim to an area? What's the higher driving force behind doing this? I mean, what is the motivation for doing this? You know, I mean, for me as a player, I mean, I could play the game, but I mean, seriously, it feels more like work than it does playing a game. There's no motivation to the characters. You know, there's there's no motivation to their goals, to why they're taking over the territories and why they're doing this. It's almost like a disease. You know, I've seen diseases operate like this. I've seen colds operate like this, you know, where something spreads from one thing to another just because it can. Well, I don't feel like being that disease, you know. I don't feel like playing the role of a disease. You know, so that that's why I look at that game and I'm just like, oh no, that puppy ain't for me. And uh, now that I that I've actually gotten it, you know, that I can't play it again and I've lost all my saves, just like you know what, that's not exactly heartbreaking. So I picked up another one called Life is Strange 2. Um, it's actually Life is Strange Beyond. Um, it's the second in the series. It's not Life is Strange 2, but it's the second in the series of Life is Strange 1. The second chapter, Beyond Two Dark Souls or something like that. <coughs> and, um, you know, it has a story to it. 
right off the bat, you know, it's, a, it's about a little girl that, um, I mean, I've only made it in so far that uh, I've seen it's about a girl that uh, she's she's basically living with her mom. Um, they've just moved to this small town from a big city, and uh, she misses her friends and her everything else from the bigger city and everything. She's having a hard time um, adapting to life in the smaller city. Um, She's definitely a rebellious uh, little shit and everything. Her dad passed away, which is why her and her mom moved to a smaller city. So they can actually afford things and everything. And, um, you know, she's just basically trying to, you know, she's not coping well with her mom, having recently got a new boyfriend who's a little bit of a, of, um, of a tyrant. You know, he's a father figure. To, and it seems like the guy's a good guy. You know, but she's just re rebelling against anybody. It's a father figure. So as a result, boom, you know, she's having issues. Well, see, that tells a story. You know, for me, that story in itself is enough to, even though the game's slow, really slow, and even though I'm playing a woman in it, you know, hell, I mean, a little 14-year-old girl, I'm playing a little 14-year-old girl in the movie, or in the, in the uh, game, even though I'm playing the part of a 14-year-old character, girl, the fact of the matter is, it's still an interesting story. And I will finish that game, and I can tell you that in advance, simply because I want to know where it goes. I want to know where this story is going to take me. Now, I want to know what, um, if she finds a resolution with her, uh, with, you know, the situation with her mom, if she keeps on rebelling against her mom. I want, I mean, I know it's a, sh it's a game about time travel. I want to know if she's, you know, what she does with it. And more than that, I also want to know what happens with her and, uh, the tyrant of, a uh, you know, of, that's, you know, her father or her father figure, you know, not necessarily her father. All these things, it's it has me curious, you know. But um, and watchdogs, hell, I want to help Aiden. That's what it comes down to. If he's a real character, which I do believe he is, I want to help the guy out to achieve his goals. I learn from him as I'm playing him, you know. I also, you know, I mean, I believe that uh, that he believes that he's doing the right thing. You know, so I don't mind, you know, playing the part of, you know, playing, stepping into his shoes and helping him out what I consider through his life and everything. You know, so for me, that's how I look at it. I look at it like I'm God. You know, I'm helping these people, these avatars out. You know, um, in the process, they're telling me a story about their life and the choices that they're making. Now, I, I don't always have to align with your story. You know, that's what GTA Five had for me. <laughs> it's three really fucked up guys, plain and simple. Michael, Trevor, and um, I can never remember the black guy's name. I don't know why. But all three of them, very distinctive personalities. They're not, not generally speaking, nice guys. Not the kind of guys you really want to be in a closed room with together. You know? Um... But the simple fact of the matter is they tell it, they've got interesting lives, interesting enough to actually tell a story and everything, and Trevor's a crack-up, you know, despite the fact that the guy's really fucked up. You know, so stepping into their shoes and actually working through them and with them, 
you know, let's say I'm out in God and I'm actually directing them and I'm making sure that when they die they get resurrected and instantly come back to life and they have no clue that they've ever died. They just think that they're invincible. And that's from my belief. That's that's my belief on their perspective and everything. And ultimately I'm gonna go off on my own adventure. I'm gonna have somebody that might be leading me. You know, be helping me through the, the life and times and everything that I go through. You know, they might find a way to be able to do something, you know, in a way I never anticipated that for me would be fucking marvelous. They might find things, you know, that I never imagined and I can only find through their help, through their assistance and through their guidance. You know, it's like out there in the desert that day, you know, where I was doing drugs and everything, and all of a sudden, boom. I see this alternative reality, and for all intents and purposes, it's this drug, you know, the digital thing, you know, that I ended up taking, or that I took inside of, uh, you know, with an avatar and everything, that somehow actually made its way to my world. Now, I mean, that would explain why none of the cops knew what it was. Well, they'd never confronted something like that. You know, something that actually... Was created, initialized, you know, in the digital world first, you know. So, in any case, you know, that's that's how I look at these. Is you know, when I can actually step into the shoes of somebody that they have their own belief systems, their own morals, their own, um, their own way of life and everything. I'm not saying that you have to be good, you know, and for the most part, a lot of these guys aren't, aren't good guys. You know, I mean, this guy in Aiden that I'm playing right now, I mean, in order to get him out of, uh, out of prison, he has to kill, what is it, one, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven different guards to get out, you know, to, on the way out. So it's just like, wow. You know, I mean, not necessarily the kind of guys you uh you want to call friends, right? Well, I mean, maybe they would be, or not. I don't know. It doesn't make a shade of difference. What makes a difference to me is just the quality of the story. You know, the guys in um in Assassin's Creed uh, Syndicate, they just don't. I mean, they're just per they don't they lack personality. They lack. Um, I don't know. It's just really hard to say. Depth, character, all of the above, and more. So, anyways, um, one of the things I started thinking of was, uh, two cities are misrepresented when it comes down to, or are not represented at all with video games, and, and also... TV shows and movies and that kind of stuff. Las Vegas and uh, Phoenix. Now, I, I spent a lot of time in Phoenix. And Phoenix is actually a relatively easy city from a, uh, a, you know, just when it comes down to the whole layout and structure of it. And I actually started thinking maybe, maybe I should just make a game based out of Phoenix to scale. You, know, you get a 30 mile by 30 mile scale and everything. That could be a nice little challenge to recreate the city and everything in a digital world. So, anyways, that's just an idea and everything. Just 
but what story to tell. Maybe I just gotta focus on telling the story of a guy with loose morals. Not from a violent perspective, but from a sexual perspective. And just go through the whole process of learning how to develop the art for it. Do it myself. It's gonna take a long fucking time to do that. But... I don't know. It could be interesting. It's gotta have lore, though. And I've gotta have mystery. And that's the whole thing. If I make it around my own life, I'm the central character. I mean, that's like total narcissism, right? But it can also be a lot of fun doing that, too. A lot of people have told me to write a story about my life. I've had multiple different timelines that I've actually remembered throughout my life. What if the reason for it is because sometime in the future I develop a video game? about my life and something in my mind can see that future and doesn't didn't understand it and as a result I saw multiple different timelines just because my own mind didn't understand what was going to happen in the future that would be kind of trippy in any case it's making me think about taking the slow road the development and everything. Learning the skills and just being okay with the slow progress and everything. So, I'm coming up with some awesome lore. In any case, I'm going to sign out for tonight and just food for thought for the dreams tonight. Speaking of dreams, I had a really weird one last night that I was actually in a matrix. And it was a whole separate storyline that was parallel to uh, Neo's. And um, I don't know if I was him or if I was me. But all I know is when I started fighting it and I actually consciously started realizing I'm telling myself a story, boom, at that point it, it felt like I bubbled up. My consciousness bubbled up real quickly and at that point I woke up. It's kind of weird. I don't want to find myself in a matrix. I'm not trying to go to one. I'm trying to just basically get more control of this world. I mean, look at Q and Star Trek and the whole concept and idea of being able to teleport myself instantly to Hong Kong, going to have my favorite noodles, teleport a battleship if I wanted to, over to the bay of a place that we're invading, or... I don't know. In any case, um, yeah, I'm going to call that it. But, uh, I don't know what that, that dream was about last night. That was kind of bizarre.